Hi, welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome to the Christians at UMMC podcast. Once again, I've got Christian with me, our UMMC microbiology PhD student. Today's pod is actually a two-part series. We tried our best to condense it down, but felt that it would be incomplete. Today, we want to see God's main and grand vision. And in part two, we will see how that vision relates to us. Let's get right into it. We saw in the last pod that Noah was not only a righteous man, a man that walked with God, a man that found grace in God's eyes, but all these things that Noah did was not just for his own spirituality. In fact, his walking with God afforded God the opportunity to open his heart to Noah, to show Noah a phenomenal vision of what God was doing on the earth at that time. After seeing this, Noah became a man with a vision from God. Not only so, he was a man that cooperated with what God was doing on the earth at that time. As we were doing that pod, I had a feeling, and I'm sure many Christians did too when they were listening, that we want to live like that too. We don't just want to live for what's good for us, what's good for our families. We want to live for what God is doing. We want to join what God is doing. We want to know what God wants. Instead of asking, what is God's plan for my life? We just want to know, what is God's plan, period? And how can we join God in that plan? And that brings us to today's podcast question. What is God's quote, quote, arc today? Or rather, what is God's main work today? To answer that question, I want to start back in Genesis chapter 2. What better way to know God's grand plan than to start from the beginning? Christian, I'm going to read two sections of scripture today. I think most of our listeners are familiar with them. It is in Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5. And I want our listeners to pay close attention to the similarities in these two portions in the word. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and we will go all the way to 24. Now verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Verse 20. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned or built into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Then the man said, At last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
now in Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Now, Christian, why did Paul quote Genesis 2 in relation to his exposition of Christ and the church? So previously we've talked in Genesis 2 about the tree of life. And I love all that we've talked about the tree of life and the principle of dependence on God and the tree of knowledge, which is a life independent from God. But that was mainly from the point of view of our relationship with God. This second part of Genesis 2, I think we'd like to touch on what is God doing? What did God want? Even more than to feed us with himself as life, what else was God doing? What did he want? Uh, I love the connection of Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5. Paul the Apostle did it for us. Firstly, he connected husbands loving their wives to Christ dying for the church. And then with his reference there at the end, he's connecting Christ and the church to the picture of Adam and Eve. You know, Christian, what I appreciated about this passage is how Paul shows that the matter of the church is not an afterthought. It wasn't something random that happened, but rather it was something that was on God's heart from the beginning. We might view Genesis just from a creation standpoint. We might say things like, see, man didn't evolve from monkeys because in Genesis 2, it said that God made man and women. But thank God for Paul's writing. He is showing you that this great mystery regarding Christ and the church was on God's heart from the very beginning. And it was shown, or rather, the vision was sown even as early as Genesis chapter 2. Yeah, I love the verses in Ephesians 5 where it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It reminds me of some verses in Hebrews 12 too. Looking away unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before the Lord that allowed him to endure the cross, to even despise the shame that he went through? Putting that with the verses in Ephesians 5, we, we begin to see that Christ loved the church. That was his goal. And that was God's goal, as you were saying, we can see in Genesis 2, it's not just a story, but there's, a, there's something that God was trying to unveil in his heart that he wanted to do. Christian, it's so touching to see God's heart. When I was a young Christian, I had this deep feeling that if I was the only sinner on this earth, the Lord would come and die for me. And he would. But now we see an expansion of that view. Yes, Christ came for me. But even bigger than that, he came for the church. According to the verses you mentioned in Ephesians 5 and Hebrews 12, the church was what was motivating him. The church was what sustained Christ to go through all that he went through. 
the God of the universe could have come as a king, as a rich man, but rather he came as such a lowly man. He lived a normal human life. He was persecuted, ridiculed, beat, even crucified. What pushed him to give himself up to undergo all those trials and tribulations? It was for her. It was for the church. And I even think you can see that same sentiment in Genesis 2. God brought all the animals before Adam to find a helper, to find a match. And as we learn from Sunday school, Adam was just naming them, but nothing matched. Nothing satisfied his heart. Not one animal of the thousands that he named matched him. But when God brought Eve before him, Adam's reaction was one of just joy. I would say that same joy is what our Lord experienced as well. Yeah, I I have to echo that there's Adam's sentiment in that time, right? He's had all the animals come before him, presented to him. None are available as a helper, as a counterpart. And then finally, when God has put him to sleep and taken his rib and built this woman and presents this woman to Adam, uh, Adam says, this time, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So there is a kind of like a relief for Adam there, finding that one. This is really a picture of Christ and the church. I think through these verses, we are seeing just how central the church is to God. To even further show this point, I want to bring in Matthew sixteen eighteen, where the Lord tells Peter that he will build his church. Many people may ask what the Lord was doing during his time on the earth. And you could answer, well, he was preaching the gospel. He was saving sinners. He was healing the sick. He was teaching and preaching. And he did all those things. But I will venture to say that his main work, the vision that was directing his work, was the church. In Matthew 16, Peter had just had this marvelous revelation concerning Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. He's the one they were looking for. He's the one they were waiting for. He's the one that all the scriptures in the Old Testament talked about. All the prophecies were about this one. He's right here in front of them. And in this awesome, marvelous revelation, the Lord Jesus opened his heart and told his disciples that he's building his church. In fact, he was and still is building the church today. Isn't it so good to know that God has a game plan? God has a plan from the beginning. And he's been trying to tell us what he wants to do. So we just have to be open to see be open to to join ourselves to what God is doing. Christian, I'm just so impressed and blessed with what we went over today. In Genesis 2, God revealed his heart to us. That man needed a wife, a match. It even showed us the sentiment that Adam felt when he finally met Eve. This time, finally, this time someone matches me. I have a counterpart. And thank God for Paul's epistles, because without it, I would never have matched this portion to Ephesians 5. Even Paul says that this is a great mystery, but Adam and Eve is a picture of Christ and the church. We see that the Lord had a deep love for his church. 
He was willing to give his all. It says he gave himself up for her. What a love for his church. We even see that in Matthew 16, the Lord is building his church. His whole ministry on the earth was consumed with the church. He had this feeling from Genesis 2. He accomplished it in his ministry on earth. And even today, he is still building his church. I would like to submit that after today's scripture readings and fellowship, that what God is doing today, his master plan, the grand vision he is giving, his quote, quote, ark in this time, all has to do with his church. His monumental act in our time is building his church. Right. So so we want to see what Paul saw. Paul saw that Christ in the church is connected to the husband and the wife, and he connected that to Adam and Eve. So when we're talking about Noah and the vision that he was serving according to during his time, it was building the ark. So today, we're beginning to see that even with the picture of Adam and Eve, God is starting to open up a little bit of this mystery of Christ in the church. And as we begin to see more of this vision ourselves, we can then join ourselves to that vision and get involved in, uh, in building the church. Hallelujah, Christian. Well, that statement is a perfect cliffhanger for part two of our podcast. After seeing God's heart for the church, after realizing that God's quote-quote ark, his main work in this time is related to the church, what should our response be? And what does building the church look like? I hope our listeners will tune in next time as we conclude this wonderful vision. Thanks again for joining me today. And to all our listeners, I hope you appreciated what we saw today. I really want to thank you guys again for all the support, all the kind words, all the encouragement about this podcast. I hope you guys continue to join us as we continue going on in this journey together to see what God is doing on the earth today. And may the Lord richly bless you guys this week. Don't you want to know your God what's hidden in His heart for you? How much He longs for you to come.